Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The Gospel for this weekend opens up with Jesus asking his apostles if the people have figured out who he is. And he says, who do the people say that I am? You could say Jesus, in some ways, is conducting a popular opinion a poll. Based upon hearing his teaching and preaching, seeing his miracles that he's performed, have the people formed an impression or an opinion about him? Notice where they are. Caesarea Philippi. It's Gentile territory. Now that's odd for Jesus to ask if the Gentiles have formed an opinion of him. He spent more time with the Jews in Jewish territory. He didn't spend that much time in Gentile territory. So if there's anyone who would have formed an opinion of him, it would be the Jews. He should be asking this in Jewish territory, but he's not. So what's the first thing that we can take from this? Jesus doesn't care what the people think of him or if they've rendered an opinion of him. Now notice the apostles' answers. They're wild. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others one of the prophets. The common denominator amongst all those answers, they're all dead wrong. They're not even close. Next, Jesus puts the question to the apostles. He says to the apostles, but who do you say that I am? Now all the apostles are quiet, which tells you what? They're not even sure of Jesus' identity. And yet, it's Peter. Peter answers, you are the Christ. Peter gets it. He gets it right. Now how does he do that? Well, in Mark's gospel for today, we don't understand. We can't figure it out. But if you turn to Matthew's version as well as Luke's gospel, we find out how Peter came to this revelation through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit given to him by God the Father. As Jesus says, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Heavenly Father. Now this is very important for us to understand. Peter and the apostles, they represent the church. Therefore, only in the church can we see and understand the fullest expression of the truth and the presence of God. Now, You may go out today, it's a beautiful day, go out into the woods or in a park, and you say, well, there's a beautiful experience that I had in the wilderness. God, I feel his presence there. Well, I'm not going to deny that. Or maybe you witness the birth of your child or your grandchild, and you say, I feel the presence of God at that moment. Well, I'm not going to deny that either. Sure. But the fullest understanding of the presence of God and the truth of God can only be found in the church, in the church's doctrine and dogma, in the church's rites, rituals, and sacraments. That's why it's so important for us to remain in the church. Now, we get to the second part of the story. Jesus, 
His identity has been revealed by Peter. Now Jesus himself reveals his mission. He says, The Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and rise after three days. Now, immediately upon hearing this, Peter is very upset. It says, He took Jesus aside and rebuked him. Now, that word rebuke means to scold or publicly criticize. Now, can you imagine this? Peter taking Jesus aside away from the apostles and then yelling at him and criticizing him for the mission that Jesus is about to carry out. It seems unheard of. Now, how do we understand this? Well, first and foremost, recognize that Peter took Jesus away from the apostles, away from the church. And so Peter is no longer in the church. This is important because Peter now is expressing his own personal opinion, his own personal interest. We have to realize Peter, like many of the Jews, for centuries and centuries have long awaited the Messiah, the Messiah that would unite the country, raise up an army, defeat the Roman army, and then reestablish Israel as the economic and military superpower it used to be under King David. See, Peter thinks Christ is that warrior Messiah. Therefore, the very notion that Jesus must suffer and die completely contradicts everything that Peter and Israel had hoped for and Messiah would do. That's why Peter is so upset and he publicly criticizes and yells at Jesus. Peter, he's expressing his own personal opinion rather than understanding Jesus' mission as well as the will of God the Father. That's why Jesus responds vigorously. He says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're thinking not as God, but as human beings. Peter is preventing Jesus from carrying out his ultimate mission. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus, yes, he is the Messiah that all longed for. Yes, he is a great warrior. His opponent, sin and death. Yes, he will be victorious through his resurrection. Now, what does Jesus do next? It says in the story, He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. Jesus, he tells us and the people in the gospel his identity as well as his mission. And now he tells us our mission. He paints a beautiful portrait of what discipleship looks like. What I want to do now is focus on that statement to carry one's cross. Now, if you are living in the first century in the Roman Empire, to hear that word that you have to carry your cross is earth-shattering. In fact, very scary. The Romans used crucifixion as a means of execution of prisoners throughout the Roman Empire. Death by crucifixion was always reserved for the worst criminals. In fact, crucifixion always typically took place right outside the entrance gates of any Roman city, village, or town. Above the person's head would be a placard describing all the crimes that this person committed. It sent a very clear and unambiguous message. This is what will happen to you if you don't abide by Roman law. 
And so crucifixion was an effective deterrent to crime. Therefore, it begs a question, why does Jesus use an instrument of pain, suffering, and death to now be a prerequisite for us to consider discipleship? Well, I think first, it's because the cross before Jesus represented the world that was governed by the principles of fear, tyranny, sin, and death. But now through Christ, the cross is reversed. Now it becomes an instrument of our salvation and redemption. It becomes a symbol of Jesus' triumph over sin and death. More to it, every time we sign ourselves with the cross, and we do every time we pray, as we begin Mass, any of the sacraments, it tells us, or I should say it reminds us, that the principle that governs our lives is the teaching of Christ and his church. But just as important, prior to Jesus, the cross was revered and even reviled. People didn't even want to look or think of a cross. And yet, through Jesus, the cross becomes the greatest symbol of self-sacrificing love the world has ever known. When Jesus climbs upon the cross, he doesn't do it for himself or his own grandeur. He's motivated strictly out of love for us. As Jesus once said, there is no greater love than to lay your life down for another. That's exactly what he does. And so when he tells us that we must pick up our cross and carry it, it means we have to imitate that self-sacrificing love of service to others and God. Another way to help you understand that term, pick up your cross and follow me, is notice the progression what Jesus says. We have to first deny yourself, then pick up a cross, and then follow him. So the first step is to deny ourself, which means we put aside our own self-interest, my wants, my desires, my pleasures. We put all that aside and we put the interest of others before ourselves. See, when that is done, and only when that is done, then we are free. We are free to take up our cross and perform self-sacrificing acts of virtue, compassion, charity, justice, forgiveness to all people. And see, we do that each and every day of our lives. We take up our cross. The people in my parishes do that. In both parishes, each and every day, I see that. How people deny themselves, put their own interest aside for the interest of serving God and others in this world. And therefore, then they're free to pick up their cross and serve others. I'll give you some examples. Well, we have liturgical ministers. We have cantors and choirs. We have lectors, extraordinary ministers. They put their own self-interest aside in order to serve us as parishes in order for us to properly worship God. And so we do just that, and we have great liturgies because of that. Or our building and grounds, volunteers. We have several buildings at both campuses, and these volunteers work very hard to maintain the buildings as well as the grounds of each parish. And they do that because they put their own self-interest aside, and they put the needs of the community, of the parish, in front of their own. Therefore, they're able to pick up the cross and spend their time as well as their talents for the upkeep and the maintenance of our grounds and the buildings. Or maybe our catechists, especially this weekend we celebrate Catechetical Sunday. Our catechists, 
They put the needs of our children, our teenagers, even our adults before their own. And they do so by teaching, passing on the faith to them. And they use their skills and abilities so that we can all benefit and grow in the knowledge of our faith. Or maybe human concerns. We have a wide variety of ministries in our human concerns at both parishes. And we have a number of volunteers that go out and help people in Waukesha and Milwaukee County, as well as in the world, Peru and Guatemala, in order to feed them, clothe them, shelter them. And so they do that because they're able to put their own self-interest aside, put the needs of others before themselves, and then share their prayers, their talents, and their skills so that others will benefit by that. Today in the Gospel, it's a wonderful summary of our faith. Jesus tells us who he is, what his mission is all about, and now he tells us our mission. Our mission to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him to the best of our abilities each and every day of our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.